In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. What we'll see this Lent as we consider the Ten Commandments is that every commandment you break or keep is first broken or kept in the heart. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What is inside comes out. If you are a selfish person, you'll be found out by your actions. If you want others to be nice to you, you'll be nice to them. And maybe if you had a bad day at work, you'll come home and take it out on the cat or your wife or kids. Because what is in the heart comes out. But what if there was a way to prevent those things from coming out? What if you could look righteous and holy and generous and kind without having to take the effort to be any of those things? What if I could make it appear that I care about my neighbor's life, but not have to do anything to actually help him? What if I could put on a show to make everyone see just how humble I am? People of every time and place have always been good about outward shows of righteousness. We probably immediately think of the Pharisees with all of their extra laws, how they made a big show of praying in, the, in public, making large donations, and being meticulous to tithe even their spices. Or one of the ways Jesus described them today, how they would look gloomy so everyone could see how piously they fasted. The Israelites in general were good at this too. Next week we'll hear how they worshipped a golden calf, but they called it a feast to the Lord to make it seem like they were worshipping the true God. Even the philanthropists of today often make a show out of being generous. It usually isn't enough for them to make an anonymous donation. They want their name attached to their gift. And if a building or some other structure gets named after them, well, that's even better. So whether they are selfish or not, at least they can look generous. Humanity has always been concerned about the external. We'll hear in this coming Sunday's Old Testament lesson, when Adam and Eve have sinned against God and found themselves overwhelmed by shame, They work to cover themselves. They sew together some fig leaves and hope that it will be enough to hide their sin. But when God comes, Adam and Eve still have to hide because their outward show of piety is only that, a show. Their outward covering doesn't help them with their true problem. Adam and Eve knew that God could see their sin 
and they couldn't stand before his presence without shaking in fear. And we do the same with our sin. We know deep down that when we put on a show of piety and niceness, we're only fooling ourselves. But if we keep it up, if we keep it up long enough, people might start to believe our facade. And perhaps even we start to believe it. We start looking at our good works and think they count for something. But Ash Wednesday is a harsh wake-up call. The ashes on our foreheads stand out. They make it hard to hide. They're a black mark that stands in opposition to all of your self-righteousness. Sin is dirty business. It's not just skin deep like a topical application of greasy palm ash. It goes to the very core of your soul and infects every cell of your body. And your outward show of piety on your sin-sick life is like putting on a Band-Aid in the hopes that it will cure stage 4 cancer. It's not going to work. So rend your heart and not your garments, declares the Lord. Or you might say today, see the dirt on your heart and in every cell of your body, not the smudge of palm ash on your forehead. Because God is more interested in your heart. Showing off an outward righteousness doesn't please him. The heart is what matters. So does that mean it's wrong to engage in outward piety? Some Christians will even try to argue that we shouldn't wear ashes today because it's an outward action. Our spiritual piety is internal internal only, and it doesn't show up in the physical, or that wearing ashes is somehow showing off to the world. But where does that road end? Should we not fold our hands when we pray or kneel at the Lord's altar? Is it wrong to make the sign of the cross or bow to worship? On their own, symbolic gestures aren't the goal of repentance. But symbols do have power. On a basic level, the shape of a heart means love. To someone unfamiliar with anything about Christianity, the cross is simply a symbol of torture. But each of these symbols are powerful because of what they represent. So, too, with the ashes. Hear what those ashes on your forehead confess. Note what you heard as they were applied. Dust you are, and to dust you will return. These ashes, then, aren't so much a symbol of repentance as they are a symbol of death. The ashes are a token, a little symbol that remind you of the word of God that you heard. Dust you are, and to dust you will return. Christians deal with what is real. You have a real death, and you can't get yourself out of it. Modern medicine can't save you. Good works can't save you. You can't save you. Dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Maybe you already remember this truth daily. 
And you don't need a blackened forehead to remind you that your death is coming. Or maybe your flesh is weak. Maybe you are given to vanity. Maybe you are quick to forget about your own death. I know I am. I know I need Ash Wednesday. But maybe you don't. We all struggle with different sins. But the church has seen this tradition as a good way to remember our sin, to set before our eyes the reality of our own death, death that comes to us because of our own sin. So rend your heart and not your garments, says the Lord, because an outward show won't save you. Your heart must be rent at the thought of what sin does. Sin isn't just a minor problem in our lives. Sin is the way our entire lives have been disordered and distorted. It destroys our homes, our marriages, our lives. It turns us in on ourselves so that we become blind to the pain and needs of others. That truth should break your heart. That's the point of the ashes. Not just that you will die, but that sin, your sin, is killing you. The ashes on your forehead preach that you have earned death by your own sin. The black sludge on your forehead is but a glimpse of the sin that dwells in your own heart. The sin that is killing you. Now, if that doesn't break your heart... That's even more heartbreaking. Our hearts become calloused under the constant abrasion of sin. And if that doesn't break your heart, then no tradition, even one of rubbing dirt and ashes all over your face, that won't break your heart either. And if you wear these ashes to get noticed and be praised by others, then wipe them off. And if your repentance is outward only, you have no salvation. But on Ash Wednesday, it's also good for your pastor to put the ashes on you. Not that there's anything special about ashes from a pastor. In fact, when the church started practicing the imposition of ashes 900 or 1,000 years ago, you would put the ashes on your own head. It was a way that you reminded yourself of your own mortality. But putting ashes on you is good for me. Because it is a reminder to me that every one of you have the same disease. Your troubles and trials and cares are all different. You each have your own cross to bear, and you each fight against different sins. But putting ashes on you is a reminder to me. And I hope it's a reminder to you, too, that what you need isn't my care or my advice or even my presence. You need Jesus. He's the only one who can deal with that black, sludge-filled heart. Only Jesus' word and Jesus' care and Jesus' presence will cleanse you. And it's his work. It's why we come to church on this day not just to be marked with the sign of death, not just to declare that we are earning ourselves death and destruction, 
but because those ashes are put on you in the shape of a cross. So that even as we hear the words promising our own death, we also know that physical death is not the end. For all of us who are in Christ, we have escaped eternal spiritual death because Jesus has died for you. He died for all your sins and failures and even all your false piety too. So when you look in the mirror today, know that these ashes remind you that you are dying, but also that you need Jesus. You need his death for you because his death wins your rescue from death. And remember your baptism when you were marked with the cross of Christ forever. When you heard how Jesus' death was accomplished for you and his promise was delivered to you because his promise stands. Though the ashen cross on your forehead will fade away, Jesus' love for you never will. And hear this quote from St. Ambrose, which brings together so beautifully the connection between death and ashes and baptism. The Lord who wanted the serpent's plans to be turned to naught and the harm done to be put right delivered a sentence on mankind. You are dust, and to dust you shall return, and made man subject to death. The remedy was given him. Man would die and rise again. You ask me how? Pay attention. So that in this world, too, the devil's snare would be broken. A right was instituted whereby man would die, being alive, and rise again, being alive. Through water, this sentence is blotted out. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. The peace of God keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.